Great. Uh, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the February 14th Happy Valentine's Day meeting of the San Francisco County Transportation Authority Board. Um, I'm Rafael Mandelman, and I serve as chair of this board. Our vice chair is Mirna Melgar. Uh, I want to thank Kalina Mendoza uh, from SFGovTV. Um, our clerk is Elijah Saunders. Mr. Clerk, will you please call the roll? Commissioner Chan. Chan absent. Commissioner Dorsey. Present. Dorsey present. Commissioner Engardio. Present. Engardio present. Commissioner Mandelman. Present. Mandelman present. Commissioner Melgar. Melgar absent. Commissioner Peskin. Present. Peskin present. Commissioner Peskin. Excuse me, Preston. Preston present. Commissioner Ronan. Ronan absent. Commissioner Safai. Safai absent. Commissioner Stephanie. Stephanie present. Commissioner Walton. Walton present. Uh, Commissioner Chen. Chen present. Chair, we have quorum. Great. Uh, thank you, Mr. Clerk. And I believe you have a public comment announcement. I do. For members of the public interested in participating in this board meeting, we welcome your attendance here in person in the legislative chamber, room 250 in City Hall, or you may watch cable channel 26 or 99, depending on your provider, or stream the meeting live at www.sfgovtv.org. For those wishing to make public comment remotely, the best way to do so is by dialing 415-655-0001, and when prompted, enter access code 2482-337-7802 and then press pound and pound again. You'll be able to listen to the meeting in real time. When public comment is called for the item you wish to speak on, press star three to be added to the queue to speak. Do not press star three again or you'll be removed from the queue. When the system says your line is unmuted, the live operator will advise that you will be allowed two minutes to speak. When your two minutes are up, we will move on to the next caller. Calls will be taken in the order in which they are received. Best practices are to speak slowly, clearly, and turn down the volume of any televisions or radios around you. Public comment for items on this agenda will be taken first from members of the public and attendance in the legislative chamber, and then afterwards from the remote speaker's queue on the telephone line. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Um, before calling our next item, as chair, I want to invoke Rule 3.26 from our Rules of Order to limit pu total public comment per item to 30 minutes for today's meeting. It's my intention uh, to give each speaker uh, two minutes, unless I indicate otherwise, um, as we call public comment for that item. Mr. Clerk, would you please call our next item? Item two, final approval on first appearance. Approve the resolution making findings to allow teleconference meetings under California Government Code Section 54953E. This is an action item. Thank you. And if the governor's emergency health order expires at the end of the month, as we anticipate this will be the last teleconference meeting resolution, this body will be asked to approve for the foreseeable future. Um, colleagues, is there a motion to approve the resolution? Moved by Walton, is there a second? Seconded by Dorsey. Uh, Mr. Clerk, please call the roll on this item. Commissioner Chen. Excuse me, Chair. Can you please take public oh, comment? Oh, public comment, you're right. Sorry. Thank you. You should take public comment on this item. Um, there's no checking one. For, yeah. Checking for remote public comment on item two. And there is no public comment. All right. Thank you. Um, the motion has been moved and seconded. Now, Mr. Clerk, will you please call the roll? Commissioner Chen? Aye. Chen, aye. Commissioner Dorsey? Aye. Dorsey, aye. Commissioner Engardio? Aye. Engardio, aye. Commissioner Mendelman? Aye. Mendelman, aye. Commissioner Melgar? 
Logar, aye. Commissioner Peskin? Aye. Peskin, aye. Commissioner Preston? Preston, aye. Commissioner Ronan? Ronan, aye. Commissioner Safai? Absent. Commissioner Stephanie? Stephanie, aye. Commissioner Walton? Walton, aye. There are 10 ayes. The resolution is approved. Right. Uh, please call our next item. Item number three, approve the minutes of the January 24th, 2023 meeting. This is an action item. Um, and we should take open this up to public comment. Uh, if anyone in the chamber would like to speak on uh, the minutes, please come forward. Don't see anyone. Let's see if there's remote public comment on item three. Checking for remote public comment on item three. Hello, caller. Your two minutes begins now. Um, good morning, Chair Mandelman, Commissioners Roland and Brian San Jose. Um, very quick comment, and I apologize, I didn't catch it sooner. I should have written to you about this. It's uh, item 12, public comment, at the, at the bottom of page 5. There is a sentence that says, he said he did not support the switch from a three to two track tunnel. This is absolutely not true. I've always made it very clear that this third track is what stopped anybody from ever considering the seventh street alignment. And I'm going to read to you direct, I'm going to read to you directly from the transcript is that the good news is that the change from three tracks to two is a game changer because we have people who know how to deliver a one and a half mile two track tunnel on time and on budget for $238 million. Thank you. Thank you, caller. There is no more public comment. Public comment on item three is closed and I am going to look to staff because one of the commenters um, is indicating that the uh, minutes do not accurately describe what he was saying. We'll go ahead and fix that. Thanks, Chair. Um, so, uh, thank you. Um, and so, is there a motion to approve the minutes with that change? Moved by Melgar. Is there a second? Seconded by Walton. Uh, and I, I think we can take that same house, same call without objection. Mr. Clerk, can you please call our next item? Item four, Community Advisory Committee Report. This is an information item. And I think we have Kat Siegel, the CAC Vice Chair, who may be, oh, there we are. Hello. Uh, good morning, commissioners. I'm Kat Siegel, CAC member representing District 5 and Vice Chair. I'm presenting today on behalf of Chair Ortiz. Uh, we had a packed agenda and some lengthy discussions at our January 25th CAC meeting. The CAC voted unanimously to re-elect Kevin Ortiz as CAC chair uh, and myself as vice chair, and we're both grateful for the support of our fellow members. Um, we also welcomed new CAC member District 4 representative Calvin Ho. The bulk of the meeting time and discussions were focused on the grouped allocation of Prop K, Prop AA, and TNC tax funds for seven requests, uh, which is also on your agenda today. Two of the seven requests in particular sparked a lot of deliberation. The first was the fiscal year 2023 Vision Zero Quick Build Program Implementation Phase Funding Request. 
Uh, Chair Ortiz expressed concerns that per his understanding, SMTA was behind schedule on completing quick build projects uh, and he wanted to know why the current funding request had only six corridors identified. Uh, Chair Ortiz requested a status update on all quick build projects and an explanation of why they might be behind schedule and how SMTA might complete implementations faster uh, and was not supportive of the item without such an update. Uh, other members expressed support for funding the current request in the meantime to prevent further delays to quick build implementations. Ultimately, the quick build request was removed from the grouped requests and voted on separately and was approved by a vote of six to two. The other much discussed request was the J Church Muni Forward design phase funding request. We had four members of the public call in to speak to this item during public comment. Uh, and they expressed concerns about the addition of traffic lights, removal of stop signs, and removal of parking, and requested public outreach for this project. CAC District 8 Representative Ortega elevated these concerns in discussion after public comment uh, and further expressed concern that the community had not been able to provide input to the proposed designs. Ultimately, Member Ortega expressed support for funding the request after the project manager clarified that the allocation is for the design phase and includes outreach plan for the spring. The CAC voted unanimously to approve the remaining six funding requests, including the J Church project. The CAC also unanimously adopted a motion of support for the 2023 state and federal legislation program and received a presentation about the Prop L implementation approach. Finally, we received a welcome update from the SFMTA about uh, the slow streets program. Several members asked for clarity on how car volume and speed data is gathered and about the program's target metrics, uh, but no notable concerns were raised. Uh, thank you, and I'm available to answer any questions. All right. Thank you, Vice Chair Siegel. Um, let's open this item to public comment. If there's anyone in the chamber who would like to speak on item four, come forward. And if not, let's see if we have remote public comment. Checking for remote public comment on item four. And there is no public comment. Okay, public comment on item four is closed. Uh, Mr. Clerk, please call item five. Item five, appoint one member to the Community Advisory Committee. This is an action item. We have Amelia Whaley. Wally. <laughs> yes, good morning, commissioners. My name is Amelia Wally, program analyst at the TA. Uh, the Transportation Authority has an 11 member community advisory committee with each member serving a two year term. The board appoints individuals to fill any open seats, um, and neither staff nor the CAC make recommendations on appointments. Applicants must be San Francisco residents, and they must appear before the board at least once to describe their interest and qualifications. There's one open seat requiring board action today. Um, that's District 11, resulting from the prior District 11 representative's decision to not seek reappointment after the expiration of their term. Um, I'll also note that the SFCTA continues to work to identify candidates for the District 1 CAC vacancy. Those interested in applying should see www.sfcta.org for information on how to apply. Um, with that, I'm happy to take questions, and I believe the District 11 applicant, Mariko Davidson, uh, was going to join us remotely to speak to her qualifications. I don't see any comments or questions for you, so uh, let's see if Mariko Davidson is online. Hi, everyone. I'm online. Can you hear me? We can. Okay. 
Um, good morning. Thank you to Supervisor Safai, uh, the Board of Supervisors, and the TA for this opportunity. My name is Mariko Davidson. I've lived in the neighborhood of Ingleside since 2017 with my husband and now my two small boys. I'm an urban planner by training and an active transportation activist. Um, as a mother, street and road safety has become a top concern as I help my little boys learn to cross the sidewalks and navigate uh, street crossings. And I hope to use this position to help us to create safer infrastructure for our most vulnerable users or children. If we can design with safety in mind for small children, then we know it will be safe for everyone else. Um, every day I bike my two boys to and from daycare and preschool in our neighborhood riding our cargo e-bike. And riding an e-bike has transformed the way I move and view the city. Now I use the bike for all my trips that are two miles or under in the city, which takes me all over to Sunset, Excelsior, Bernal Heights, McLaren Park, the Mission. Um, and it's made me particularly aware of street and road safety issues from both a vehicle and infrastructure point of view, as well as from a vulnerable user point of view as a woman carting young children, children around. Um, and, you know, every day I see new cyclists and more and more cyclists with kids on their bikes. And while we have sections with excellent dedicated infrastructure, like some of our slow streets, which I love and would love to see expanded, we still need more attention and care to connecting our neighborhoods for vulnerable users like pedestrians and cyclists and making it safe enough so parents feel safe, allow, allowing their children to bike themselves to school or sports or after school programs. Over half of all trips in the cities are three miles and under. And if we can encourage walking and cycling for just these short trips alone, we begin to address climate and sustainability goals by reducing emissions. We can improve equity and access if people feel safe to walk and cycle. And we can even impact and improve public health outcomes by increasing movement in people's daily lives in healthier and cleaner air. I wanna bring my experience as a resident, a cyclist, an organizer, and as an urban planner to help continue to encourage and create safer active transportation infrastructure and more robust public transit that supports all residents. Thank you for the time and this opportunity. Thank you, Ms. Davidson. Uh, Commissioner Safai. <clears throat> Sorry. So, uh, Ms. We, Davidson said it all. <laughs> excellent. We could I mean, also she's, she's tremendous. I'm so happy to have a mom, to someone that's constantly on an e-bike, getting around the city with her kids and bringing that perspective. So I think it's a pretty straightforward appointment. So I'd like to make a motion to appoint her. All right. Uh, Commissioner Safai has uh, made a motion to appoint Mariko Davidson to the um, Community Advisory Committee, is there a second? Seconded by Dorsey. Um, we should take public comment on this item. Uh, if there's anyone in the chamber who would like to speak to item five, please come forward. Not seeing anybody, let's see if we have any remote public comment on item five. Checking for remote public comment on item five. And there is no public comment. All right, public comment on item five is closed. Mr. Quirk, please call the roll. Commissioner Chan? Aye. Chan, aye. Commissioner Dorsey? Aye. Dorsey, aye. Commissioner Angardio? Aye. Angardio, aye.
Commissioner Mandelman? Aye. Mandelman, aye. Commissioner Melgar? Aye. Melgar, aye. Commissioner Peskin? Aye. Peskin, aye. Commissioner Preston? <coughs> Preston, aye. Commissioner Ronan? Ronan, aye. Commissioner Safai? Safai, aye. Commissioner Stephanie? Stephanie, aye. Commissioner Walton? Aye. Walton, aye. We have 11 ayes. The item is approved. Uh, thank you, Mr. Clerk. Please call item six. Item six, allocate $4,188,294 and appropriate $50,000 in Prop K funds with conditions. Allocate $1,179,000 in Prop AA funds and allocate $2 million in TNC tax funds for seven requests. This is an action item. Uh, and we are joined by Linda Veray. Hello. Hi, hello. Good morning, commissioners. I'm Linda Veray, transportation planner. SFGov TV, we have our slides up and I believe we're sharing the screen. So we'll be presenting funding requests from three different programs, the Prop K sales tax, the Prop AA registration fees, and the TNC tax. The first two requests are from the MTA for Prop K funding. This request is to fund the J Church Muni Forward. This would improve reliability and travel times on J Church between DuBose Avenue and Balboa Park Station by implementing transit stop placement optimization, pedestrian improvements, and other upgrades. Outreach is ongoing till spring 2023. MTA has already secured a state grant from the State Transit and Inner City Rail Capital Program for construction, and this project will be open for use in 2027. The second request is to fund the Great Highway Signal Upgrade Additional Funds Project. This will replace all existing signal infrastructure, including poles, signal heads, conduits, and controllers. It will include new accessible audible pedestrian activated signals. The TA already funded the design of the signal improvements in 2019, and MTA is now requesting funds for the design of curb ramp improvements that the Public Works Disability Access Coordinator determined necessary to meet current accessibility requirements. Under any options being considered for the future of the Great Highway, these signals and curb ramps are needed per MTA. The next request is from Public Works to fund the Alamany Interchange Improvement Phase 2 additional funds. As you can see in this picture, this project is under construction and there's still additional work to do. Public Works received a $2 million state grant from the Active Transportation Program, and this request would cover a portion of the cost increase due to unanticipated traffic signals and pedestrian lighting costs, delays due to Caltrans review of design changes, and issuing an encroachment permit. The next Prop K request will be presented by Deputy Director of Planning, Rachel Hyatt. Thank you. This is a, a match to a <clears throat> excuse me carbon neutral cities alliance grant that we won to form a working group of small businesses representing um, equity priority communities to identify uh, interested techniques for um, reducing carbon emissions from urban goods movement, especially again for the business districts serving our equity priority communities. The following two requests are for Prop AA. This first request is from Public Works to fund Innes Avenue sidewalk improvements, pedestrian safety and accessibility along Innes Avenue between Aurelius Walker and Donahue Street. Improvements include construction of ADA compliant curb ramps, new pedestrian safety rock slide catchment fence, and new sidewalk. This project is located in an equity priority community and will provide pedestrians with a more complete and safe connection between Bayview and Hunters Point. 
This will fund the design phase of improvement and open for use is in 2025. Public Works will come back when design is complete to request the construction funds that are programmed in Prop AA. The next Prop AA request is from MTA to fund M Ocean View Transit Reliability and Mobility Improvements. This would improve reliability and travel times on the M Ocean View between Junipericera 19th Avenue and Balboa Park Station by implementing transit stop placement optimization, traffic signals, pedestrian improvements, and other upgrades. Outreach is ongoing till spring 2023. MTA has already secured a state grant from the State Transit and Inner City Rail Capital Program for construction, and this project should be open for use in 2027. The last request is for TNC and Prop K funds from the MTA to fund the Vision Zero Quick Build Program Implementation Part 1. The Prop K and 2 million in TNC tax funds requested for Part 1 would fully fund design and partially fund the construction phase for eight corridors, spot improvements, program management, program evaluation, and outreach. Design and construction are concurrent as they overlap. The TA recommends two phases to fully fund the scope of work. Part one includes two million, which was already programmed from spring 2020, and part two will cover the remaining construction costs. There is a small and growing cash balance of about 5.7 million, and we are working on developing the TNC programming recommendations, which will include the part two requests for TNC funding, and we'll bring this back to the board in April for review. And with that, I'm able to answer questions, and we also have project managers and staff from other agencies that are available as well. And SFGovTV, I have finished my presentation. All right, uh, thank you, Ms. Ray. Commissioner Safai. Thank you, Chair Mandelman. I just wanted to comment on the SFMTA item for the J Church uh, Muni Forward, $3 million. Um, you know, so my constituents have been dealing with significant pedestrian issues along San Jose for many years. Uh, and we've been working uh, to push the MTA to work with us on major improvements on the J line that we share for sure. Uh, that runs through San Jose, and this funding would be crucial for the redesign for pedestrian safety, more robust infrastructure, traffic lights, and quick build projects that could change the corridor for the better. Um, this funding would start and provide uh, the community with a real opportunity to see some changes become a reality. Uh, so in fact, today, uh, many of my neighbors uh, in Mission Terrace are doing a little community organizing effort called uh, for pedestrian safety called Have a Heart. Uh, they're going to be out there on uh, San Jose today for Valentine's Day promoting pedestrian safety. Uh, it's been something that they've been working on for some time. So I'm very proud uh, to support their efforts. So I understand that we share this uh, line predominantly with you, uh, Supervisor Mandelman and District 8. Um, but I would really hope that we could move this forward today um, because it's uh, the pedestrian issues and the concerns along San Jose have been really neglected for a significant amount of time. And so I'm really happy to see the energy and the organizing that's been happening over the last couple years within my community to really push uh, these efforts forward. So just want to say I'm in full support of seeing this move forward today and, and very thankful for all the efforts the New Mission Terrace Improvement Association and other surrounding neighbors have done to organize around this. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Commissioner Safai, Commissioner or Vice Chair Melgar. Thank you so much, uh, Chair Mandelman. Um, I also wanted to thank uh, staff and the uh, TA CAC 
um, for uh, their robust discussion. Um, I think that uh, these allocations represent a big investment in the southwestern part of San Francisco in District 7, District 4. Um, and I really appreciate that because, you know, I'm always talking about how <laughs> we're neglected in terms of infrastructure for biking and pedestrian um, uh, safety uh, concerns, and so I am really grateful for that. Um, I also wanted to uh, lend my support for the J improvement um, project. Um, it uh, runs right at the border of uh, 7 and 11, but it's also a really important way where that Sunnyside uh, residents get to downtown and most importantly, City College students. And so uh, I am excited that uh, we're doing this and also um, hope that we move it forward. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Vice Chair Melgar. Commissioner Preston. Thank you, Chair Mandelman. Um, and just a couple questions. W one on this, um, the, the downtown business deliveries um, study, so I guess for uh, Ms. Hyatt. Um, yeah. So thank you for the update. I, I just want a little clarity on this. So is this, is this specifically for bike delivery? It doesn't, not necessarily for bike delivery, um, no, but bike delivery would be one possible, uh, you know, approach that, you know, the working group could explore and recommend. You know, we understand that Department of Environment is conducting a pilot right now with subsidizing e-bikes for delivery, so we're in coordination with them um, and look forward to seeing the results of that study, and we'll be sharing that, you know, and, um, you know, promoting that among the working group. Great, that was my next question, so I'm mm -hmm. glad to hear that that coordination is happening since the Department of Environment pilot is now underway. And, and as I've said in the context of that Department of Environment pilot, which I think is 35 uh, e-bikes mm -hmm. to delivery folks, like we've gotta be scaling this stuff up. It's good to do a pilot, I understand the reasons for it, but we know, I mean the surveys have been done that show that there's a significant demand, I think 70% of delivery drivers when in, in the LAFCO study um, said they would use e-bikes, right? So the yeah. fact that we're only doing 35 bikes when we all have our neighborhood commercial corridors clogged with you know, delivery vehicles, and it, it just makes no sense. So, so I, I was, you know, seeing the $50,000 price tag and the overall 150K, I would just encourage in whatever way possible that we be a little more ambitious on these projects. And while we do need to study them, we also just need to be ramping them up. Um, and so I, I appreciate that there'll be coordination with, with DOE on that. Thank you uh, for clarifying that. Um, and then, on the quick builds, um, just I did want to both recognize and, and uh, you know appreciate that that there's some good stuff in District Five, Larkin Street, Leavenworth, and Golden Gate in particular. Um, I did want to hear some response to the issue that the vice chair of the CAC raised, um, that apparently was discussed at the CAC, and, and a question just around. Why, why only six are moving forward at this time? I mean, I think the broader goal is to have 20 of these quick builds annually in the Vision Zero Action Plan. So what, why, why are we only seeing such a limited number and what's, the, what's, the, what's blocking or holding up? Uh, you know, why isn't this double the number of quick builds before us or triple? I'm gonna invite Jamie Parks to speak on behalf of that question.
Uh, good morning, Commissioners. Jamie Parks, Livable Streets with SFMTA. Um, thank you for the questions, Commissioner Preston. With respect, let's see if I can. So, with respect to the pace of quick builds, um, this specific allocation request is matched to the amount of TNC tax money available. And so, we we tried to find projects that had great coordination opportunities, whether it's you know you know repaving or you know following up on the JFK Drive closure. Um, we were looking for coordination opportunities that added up to the amount available right now with TNC tax. The Quick Build program also does use other funding sources where we can, and so um, SFMTA, we have um, a, a general fund set aside for bicycle and pedestrian safety, we use that. Uh, we were also fortunate to get a state earmark from um, Assemblymember Ting um, last year for one and a half million dollars for a slot Quick Build, and so we, we do look for additional funding opportunities as well. Um, but we, we certainly recognize the need to, to continue advancing quick builds more quickly per their name. Got it. Thanks. So for this particular item, it's just limited by the, the dollars available, yeah, it, not by it, any capacity to, to it, implement. Correct. It's um, based on the amount of TNC tax that was available for allocation right now. Got it. Thank you. And then... Um, can and, and I don't know, Mr. Parks, if this is for you or, uh, but but just on the JFK connections item, can you elaborate? And obviously, this is kind of the intersection of uh, multiple districts here. But just uh, what that specific item, uh, what quick build that references? Sure. So the the purpose there is to look at the connection between JFK Promenade and the Fell and Oak Street and the Panhandle. That now the JFK promenade is closed to cars, that connection on that last block from Kizar to, to Stanyan is really critical and we see that there's both kind of a need I think for bigger capital investments there that we're look, working with with the rec park but we also want to you know look at what we can do with the quick build to just make that connection from JFK promenade to the panhandle more seamless and we think it'll also connect well with um, you know, the extension of the Fell emergency bike lane into a permanent status and the Oak quick build that's, um, you know, gearing up to start in a, in a month or so. So there's a lot of kind of synergy there. Thank you. And the time frame for that one? Um, we would be running that design process concurrently with Oak Street, with the Oak quick build. And so we're looking to um, even start that des the design and outreach in March or April of this year. Great. Thank you so much. And, and I just want to emphasize that that intersection, and especially now that, as you say, JFK is permanent, it's really essential. We got so many folks using that. It's, uh, the, the amazing work that we've all done around the east-west connections here, um, and I, I just, you know, you just go out to that intersection on any given day and see people trying to navigate, usually going to the end of the panhandle there, and then basically illegally crossing over multiple lanes of, traffic not just high speed traffic down fell but folks turning from stanion it's it's uh i think there's there's a real urgency for us to uh to to resolve that that weak link in the sort of west of divisadero uh east west bike travel so thank you for all your work on that thank you commissioner preston um do we have someone from the mta i i would like to dig in on the J a little bit more. I believe we have Felipe Robles on the line. Felipe, are you able to speak? Uh, yes, good morning. Um, hello, Mr. Robles. Um, and I am not going to um, uh, uh, 
take a hostage here. I am not planning on voting against this. But um, the, uh, the, any discussion of the J Church at this point in my time on the Board of Supervisors um, gives me a, a, a little bit of PTSD and a very bad taste in my mouth. Um, when I started on the Board of Supervisors, the J Church was the, had long been the worst performing, least reliable uh, Muni Metro um, in the system. Um, and so I asked the MTA to do some thinking about what we could do to improve that. And then we went through, oh gosh, I'm gonna say a year and a half of thinking and planning and many community meetings. Um, and there were some things that were proposed and maybe some of them were valuable and I'm sure some of them have been incorporated into this, um, into this plan that the MTA has. Um, some of them were controversial. I mean, there were removals of stops and consolidation of stops and um, uh, some taking out of parking, which of course some people don't like, and various things. Um, at the end, though, the question that was asked to the MTA through that first exercise, well, what kind of improvement are we gonna get? And the answer was something like two minutes um, of potential improvement um, for uh, you know, a whole lot of disruption. And what was also clear in that conversation was that MTA staff just didn't believe that we could run the volume of J Church cars into the tunnel that we were running in the pre-pandemic times and also deliver reliable and frequent service on the J. Um, and during the pandemic then, uh, along with a variety of other um, experiments, um, the MTA tried taking the J out of the tunnel, um, but didn't deliver the promised uh, reliable uh, frequent service on the surface um, to the great consternation of uh, my constituents who rallied and advocated to have it put back in the tunnel, which did happen. And we now have the worst service on the J um, in my uh, time on the board with incredibly long um, uh, you know, headwinds and, you know, off people sometimes waiting 20, 30 minutes for their train. So um, all of this is very frustrating and I have asked for uh, more than a year now for the MTA to do some thinking about the big changes that might make the J actually work that wouldn't destroy tunnel operations but would also deliver more frequent service service and reliable service on the surface and I understand that the MTA is buried under um, higher under staffing shortages and a gazillion different challenges but it was shocking to me that um, MTA wanted to continue or to re-poke re the bear um, and start another conversation about changes to the J Church without a broader vision for how to make that line work. Now I understand and want to hear a little bit more about the improvements that are going to happen, frankly, outside District 8 on the, you know, on the stretch on San Jose, because I do recognize that that is, um, you know, there are uh, dan dangers there and that that does need to get improved. But how much of this three-something million dollars is going for that and um, what improvements are folks going to see? Yeah, so I think it's um, a lot of your questions. I think we can answer by considering the two different aspects of uh, improving the J Church. Um, one piece being this capital piece that we're discussing and that this funding would be going toward, um, including um, you know, the bulbs and transit stop improvements and different things that we've been talking about on the surface portion of the line. 
between uh, Church and DuBose all the way down to Balboa Park. The other piece of the frustration, I think, is related more to the service and, you know, the, the way that the line operates um, on the street and in the tunnel. I think, um, you know, from from my perspective, this three million is is going to be going toward those capital improvements and the different um, being responsive to the different things that we've heard from uh, neighbors down in uh, Commissioner Safai's district that we just talked about. There's also a big piece of this project that's um, looking at church and market, making pedestrian and transit reliabilities there. Um, so it, it is different from that 2019 project that you were talking about earlier where we had some initial discussions. We heard from the community that they didn't want certain aspects of this capital project to be included. So we've listened to them and kind of refined our designs. And that's why we're back here with this, with a little bit of a different perspective on the Church Street part of the line and the additions uh, down on San Jose Avenue and Church and Market. So that, that's kind of where this $3 million for design funding would go to. Uh, the other piece that I mentioned is, is more service related. Um, you know, my colleagues at the MTA are, are doing a separate, a parallel analysis of J Church service. Um, we're looking at continuing to train and hire operators while we make um, operational improvements for the J. And, um, you know, I'm told that we're about 12 to 18 months away from a potential service increase option. Um, we'll obviously continue to coordinate with their office while we work through this service plan and any potential impacts. Um, but I, I guess that's that's the the main point I'm trying to make is is there's two big pieces that go into improving the J Church line, uh, these capital elements that the three million dollars would be going toward on the design side, but also the separate but parallel uh, service evaluation that uh, my colleagues are working on as well. So am I to understand that this uh, investment is primarily about um, solving the San Jose problems and the church and market problems and the folks in Noe Valley don't need to worry? Um, that's, I, I wouldn't say that's entirely the case here. Um, a major aspect of the J transit stop improvements in the Noe Valley area um, includes some of these same uh, pedestrian uh, safety issues that we've heard. Um, from uh, residents along San Jose Avenue. We've heard similar concerns from residents in Noe Valley as well. Additionally, we're trying to be very responsive to making um, improvements to flag stops uh, citywide where um, you know, the commissioners, uh, board of supervisors have told the SFMTA to make improvements to flag stops to allow people to get on and off the bus or the train uh, without any parked cars or other obstructions in the street or uh, without an active traffic lane next to the transit vehicle. So these types of improvements are also part of this project and um, are in the San Jose Avenue portion of the line as well as the Church Street portion of the line. Any stop removals or moving of stops in Noe Valley in here? Uh, we don't currently have any stop removals in our scope. Um, but having said that, all of our scope at this time is very preliminary. So if we do hear a lot of momentum or folks want to, um, you know, tell us about stop changes that they would like us to see or that they would like us to implement, we can always take a look at that in the future. Okay. I'm not sure you're assuaging the Noe Valians, but we'll hear the public comment. Um, Thank you. We should open this up to public comment. If there are folks in the chamber who want to speak on this item, you um, excuse me, Chair. I think Anna Lafort has her hand raised on Teams. I'm not sure if she'd like to speak. 
Ms. Laforte. Good morning, Commissioners. Hello. Anna Laforte. De Hi, Hi, Deputy Director for Policy and Programming. Sorry, I'm in COVID land. So um, appreciate the opportunity to speak. And on behalf of um, the Transportation Authority regarding the, the Quick Build program, and Jamie is uh, correct, this is the amount of funding that um, we had collected from the TNC tax available for allocation. And when we return to the board in April, we will be bringing recommendations for the funds that have been collected uh, over the last six months. Um, and it's, um, we are planning to recommend funding for the residential um, application-based traffic calming program, which is turning into a um, continuous cycle of concurrent implementation rather than a hard stop on a June 30th um, applications due by program, and so we'll introduce that new program to the board in April. Um, and then we will fulfill the re request for TNC tax funds for the Quick Build program. Any additional funds that we have in the bank that we are avail that we are able to recommend for allocation at that time could also supplement this traffic calming request. I'm sorry, could supplement the TNC um, Quick Build request. And um, we also have Prop L coming down the, the highway um, and so we could if we needed to we could look at supplementing the tnc tax with prop l thank you thank you all right now let's have some public comment uh, good morning uh, folks good. Uh, my name is mark norton i'm a 65 year muni rider i am here to speak briefly about the uh j church part of this i really do appreciate your question supervisor mandelman and I heard the gentleman on the screen there from SFMTA says that there are no longer any uh, removal of stops in this program. That's the first I heard that, and I'm very glad to hear that because that's what I'm here to talk about. Um, while I'm sure there may be some very good things in this proposal, uh, one of the bad things uh, is the uh, proposal that they had made to eliminate the stop at 29th and Church Street. Um, that according to SFMTA would literally save about 15 seconds because they have to stop, the train has to stop there anyway because there's a stop sign. So all they have to do is open the doors and let people in and out, that's it. Um, and obviously I'm not gonna lecture you about accessibility issues when you eliminate stops. You've all heard that many times, you know how important that is. I just wanna tell you that when uh, this was first proposed before the pandemic. We rather quickly had a change.org petition online and collected 196 signatures from San Francisco's uh, San Franciscans opposing this elimination. The uh, Noe Neighborhood Council and the Upper Noe Neighbors also opposed it and continue to oppose it. Um, so we hope it stays off of the scope and goes away because otherwise we'll rekindle that fight and who knows where that'll go. Um, I did bring copies of the petition with me. Um, I don't know if there's really a way I can leave them here or not, but if I'm going to just put them here and if you guys want them, you've got it with all the signatures on it. Thank you very much and happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Thank you. And I think our staff will distribute them at some point. Um, next speaker. Um. Good morning, supervisors. My name is David Hooper, and I live in Mission Terrace. Um, the issue about the J-Line has gotten our attention 
but primarily it's gotten our attention because of the pedestrian issues. Starting in 2006, when Gerardo Sandoval was supervisor, we've been trying to work on this. Since then, we've received one stop sign for San Jose Avenue at San Jose and Santa Ines, where this afternoon we will be having our Valentine's Day have a heart and trying to get the SFMTA to increase traffic-controlled stops on San Jose Avenue in our community. The thought is that the J-Line <clears throat> needs to increase its throughput. Uh, it doesn't have a problem on San Jose Avenue in our community. It makes its time. The problem, according to the SFMTA, is with all the people in Noe Valley who use it. But the real problem is in the subway. My last 12 years at Muni were spent at central control, four as a train controller during the big meltdown and the other eight as a manager. The problem is in the subway. This has been acknowledged by Judy Kirschbaum and others at public meetings. But with regard to the particulars for San Jose Avenue, um, we've reached out, uh, I have reached out and made contact with the people in the upper Noe Valley. They drew my attention to your packet, which includes, I think it's V6, a long list of what had been proposed. This wasn't created 30, 30 by the seconds. neighbors. This list on your packet is something that draws attention and it needs comment. The only time there's really leverage with the SFMTA or any city department is when there's money on the table. So I'd like to say that I appreciate the comments made by my supervisor, Safai, by Supervisor Melgar, and by Supervisor Mendelson regarding trying to get the SFMTA to come your, uh, to the table. Time is up. Thank you. Pardon? Your two, your two minutes is up? It says 18 seconds. I started the timer late. My apologies. Thank you. Hold their feet to the fire. All right. Uh, I think that uh, is it for public comment in the chamber. So let's see if we have any remote public comment on this item. Checking for remote public comment on item six. Hi, caller. Your two minutes begins now. Good morning, Chair Mandelman and Commissioners. My name is Jody Medeiros, and I'm the Executive Director of Walk San Francisco. Um, I'm here to express Walk San Francisco's strong support of the funding request brought forward today. And um, just want to remind everybody that the city did make a very strong commitment in its Vision Zero Action Strategy published in November of 2021 to bring safety improvements to the entire high injury network by 2024. While the city has made progress, there are still about 50 miles of designated high injury streets that have yet to receive any kind of safety improvements. What we saw in 2021 and 2022 is that the SFMTA has fallen short of its commitment with the number of Vision Zero Quick Build projects completed and are already slipping on their stated goal. So Walk San Francisco, as long as our, along with our members of Families for Safe Streets and our partners in the Vision Zero Coalition, are eager to really understand when the next set of quick bills will be brought forward to this commission. There is going to be a pause between the funding allocation of Prop K and Prop L, so this is hopefully not going to be a problem and slip further into 2023. We also would like this commission to inquire how the SFMTA plans to pick up the pace of the quick builds. 
We've seen this program be very successful, have positive results by implementing the most basic cost-effective tools that, we, that the city has at the fingertips to create safe streets. So we are very encouraging of this commission can do everything in its power to ensure the SFMTA has the resources to move quickly and meet their goal of applying the quick build toolkit on the entire high entry network by 2024. Thank you. Thank you, caller. Hi, caller, your two minutes begins now. Edward Mason, the uh, 2019 J Church Improvement Project returns as the J Church Muni Forward, which previously was the Transit Effectiveness Program a decade ago. In my opinion, the J Church is no more or less reliable than other rail lines. The rate of failure rate is four to 5,000 miles between failure compared to the Siemens 25,000 miles. Trains accumulate four to 5,000 miles a month. Subway delays materialize as surface delays, and also operator availability is a key element. The 2019 report support, cites a proposed 5% travel time savings between 30th Street and Market Street, equating to one minute for the 19-minute trip. For, and we're going to do this for $20 million, and it really lacks a cost-benefit analysis. The 22nd Street right-of-way speed restriction is 3 miles per hour compared to the outbound restriction that is 10 miles per hour. Does the Market Church Curb Rail Plaza support the future five-minute network vision with a J Church forced transfer to downtown? The 80-foot curb-to-rail boarding platforms proposed will eliminate street parking and a traffic lane thus delaying the J. MTA Community Trust, again, is in jeopardy with a solution in search of a problem. Commissioners have a fiduciary responsibility to question additional time eliminating four-way stops encourages speed traffic. And pedestrian safety can be enhanced with a variety of possible activated Caller, could you answer the phone? We, we can't hear you clearly. And his time is up. Thank you, caller. Hi, caller. Your two minutes begins now. Good morning. This is Anastasia Yovanopoulos, a Noe Valley resident. I appreciate being able to call in and give my public comments, and I hope that I can continue to do so. You received a detailed letter on behalf of our community from Christopher Faust, the president of Upper Noe Neighbors, neighbors asking you to reconsider and perhaps abandon the J Church Muni Forward proposal. I attended the CAC meeting and this was up for debate. The only reason that our representative from District 8, Rachel Ortega, decided to go forward with this was because it would bring some money so that we could study the problem further. This, this is not ready for prime time. It will not produce its intended goals to reduce travel times and improve reliability along its surface route between DeBose and Balboa Park Station, 
or increase pedestrian safety. Instead, it will increase congestion, hinder trains and buses, and remove safe passage for pedestrians crossing Church Street. Further, the project will likely have a negative effect on Upper Noe merchants on Church Street who are recovering from pandemic losses and just beginning to refill empty storefronts. So overall, there does not seem to be any need for this project as currently described. It's a waste of your dollars. Thank you. Thank you, caller. Hi, caller. Your two minutes begins now. Hi, uh, this is Chris Faust, uh, president of Upper Noe Neighbors, and um, thank you, Anastasia, for um, um, quoting me on that letter. I did send um, um, an extensive letter, oh, not extensive letter, but I did send a, a detailed letter to the board, and I hope that um, the board will look at it in detail. Um, we are all in favor of pedestrian safety measures. Uh, we fully support work out in uh, along San Jose Avenue um, and um, stand with the groups out there um, on that work. We know that pedestrian safety is a big issue and it's an issue for us. Um, one of our con major concerns with this project um, in the Church Street and 30th Street areas though is that we feel it will have a large negative impact upon pedestrian safety. Um, it calls for the removal of stop signs. It places a traffic light at an intersection that frankly is not that busy while ignoring um, Cesar Chavez and uh, 24th Street, which really could benefit from, tra from traffic lights and would speed up the J because when no one is at those stops, the J could just cruise right through. Um, so that's, that's a way we could really make some improvements in speed. Um, but furthermore, some of the traffic bulbs, particularly on 30th, 30th Street, um, we have concerns that what will happen is traffic will divert, particularly traffic going um, eastbound um, on 30th Street. Um, we, um, they, they would not be able to make that right-hand turn if any one vehicle was stopped at the light. Um, which would actually hinder the J Church and the buses running in that direction. Um, previously, that had been proposed, and um, we um, and ballers have been put up there, and those have been working effectively for several years now. And I, I, you should look at those, okay, as a solution. Anyway, thank you for uh, your time today, and please look at my fuller document. Thank you. Thank you, Colin. There is no more public comment. All right, uh, public comment on item six is closed. Um, is there a motion to approve item six? Moved by Safai, is there a second? Seconded by Melgar. Um, <laughs> uh, Mr. Clerk, would you like to call the roll? Yes, and I would also like to note that we received multiple public comment on item six that has been posted to our website. Uh, Commissioner Chan? Chan, aye. Commissioner Dorsey? Aye. Dorsey, aye. Commissioner Engardio? Aye. Engardio, aye. Commissioner Mandelman? Aye. Mandelman, aye. Commissioner Melgar? Aye. Melgar, aye. Commissioner Peskin? Aye. Peskin, aye. Commissioner Preston? Aye. Preston, aye. Commissioner Ronan? Aye. Ronan, aye. Commissioner Safai? Aye. Safai, aye. Commissioner Stephanie? Aye. Stephanie, aye. Commissioner Walton? Aye. Walton, aye. There are 11 ayes. The item is approved. All right. Thanks, Mr. Clerk. Please call item seven.
Item seven, adopt the fiscal year 2022-2023 transportation fund for clean air local expenditure criteria. This is an action item. Mike Pickford, principal transportation planner. Good morning, and uh, SFGovTV should be able to see my slides now. Uh, so the transportation fund for clean air is a grant program that funds projects that reduce motor vehicle emissions beyond current requirements to improve air quality. Revenues come from a $4 surcharge on motor vehicle registrations in the Bay Area. 60% of the funds go directly to the Air District, which uses them for regional programs, including EV chargers. 40% of the funds are distributed to county-level programs, with the Transportation Authority administering this program here in San Francisco. We program these funds through our annual call for projects, and we help project sponsors pursue those regional funds. For this year, we expect to have approximately $850,000 available for eligible projects. The Air District establishes eligibility requirements, including project types, and requires county program managers to adopt local expenditure criteria to guide the selection of local projects, which is what we are discussing here today. Uh, the Air District's requirements include strict cost-effectiveness thresholds that each project must meet, and within these constraints, we're typically able to fund two to four projects per year. We are generally able to fund most of the projects that meet the Air District's eligibility requirements. In past years, we funded a range of projects, including bike parking, shuttles to transit hubs, low-emission taxis, electric vehicle chargers, and even building a Clipper Transit Pass into the SF State Student ID card. For this year, we're not recommending any changes to our local expenditure criteria versus the last couple of years. The criteria include prioritizing zero emissions non-vehicle projects, such as bike facilities, followed by shuttle services, and then vehicle projects. Our local criteria also prioritize cost-effectiveness of emissions reductions and require consideration of projects that generally make for good, good uh, projects like project readiness, program diversity, and past delivery track record, as well as community support. And uh, since um, non-public entities can apply for TFCA funds for alternative fuel vehicle and infrastructure projects, the criteria give priority to those projects that include an investment from that non-public entity that's commensurate with the TFCA funds requested to make sure the public's getting a good value. Um, and uh, once the local expenditure criteria are adopted, we will release the TFCA call for projects by March 3rd. And after reviewing and evaluating applications, we will present our recommendations to the board in June. With that, I can take any questions. Thank you, Mr. Pickford. I do not see any questions, so let's open this item to public comment. If there's anyone in the chamber, come on forward. Doesn't look like there is. Let's see if we have remote public comment. Checking for remote public comment on item seven. And there is no public comment. All right, public comment on item seven is closed. Thank you, Mr. Pickford. Um, and is there a motion to approve item seven? Moved by Melgar. Is there a second? Seconded by Dorsey. Uh, Mr. Clerk, please call the roll. Commissioner, Commissioner Chen? Chen, aye. Commissioner Dorsey? Dorsey, aye. Commissioner Guardio? Guardio, aye. Commissioner Manaman? Aye. Manaman, aye. Commissioner Melgar? Aye. Melgar, aye. Commissioner Peskin? Aye. Peskin, aye. Commissioner Preston? Aye. Preston, aye. Commissioner Ronan? Ronan I, Commissioner Safai. Aye. Safai I, Commissioner Stephanie. Aye. Stephanie I, Commissioner Walton. Aye. Walton I, there are 11 ayes. The motion is approved. Thank you. Uh, please call item eight. Item eight, approve the 2023 state and federal legislation program. This is an action item. 
Good morning, Chair and Commissioners. Amber Crabb, the Public Policy Manager at the Transportation Authority. So this is an item we bring to you every year, basically setting our um, advocacy priorities uh, throughout the year and then also informing the positions that we bring to you for uh, approval every month. It's comprised of broad goals and strategies, so it's not doesn't vary too much year by year, um, generally focusing on seeking and securing funding for transportation programs, as well as supporting other San Francisco priorities such as Vision Zero and greenhouse gas emission reductions. So with respect to specific priorities in 2023 at the state level, the top priority is going to be um, seeking steady multi-year funding for transit operations. And this is um, in light of the fiscal cliff that many of the operators are facing both in San Francisco and throughout the state um, as the COVID relief funding uh, is being expended. So uh, it's a top priority for many elected officials and transit agencies across the state. And it would be challenging in any year, but in particular this year, the state is facing a significant deficit and uh, the governor as part of his cost reduction strategies is proposing reducing transit capital funding by about $2 billion and then active transportation program funding by uh, 200 million. So we'll be advocating not just for the transit operating funding, but also to restore that funding for, uh, for tr transit and transportation. So we'll also be keeping an eye out for any legislation that advances regional um, efforts. So this would include uh, anything around the implementation of the region's Transit Transformation Action Program or Action Plan, um, as well as um, the efforts to advance regional transit management and uh, anything early work on a transportation revenue measure for after 2024. We'll also be engaging in legislative efforts related to the state's 2021 Climate Action Plan for transportation investments, and in particular looking for legislation related to how um, both state and local priorities are set for spending. And then we'll also be looking for opportunities to advance San Francisco's own Climate Action Plan, as well as its Hazards and Climate uh, Resilience Plan. Then with respect to emerging mobility, so that's autonomous vehicles uh, and TNCs, we'll be uh, focused on ensuring they're deployed in a way that balances both the impacts and the benefits, in particular around uh, safety, equity, and accessibility. Um, we may also seek updates to regulations in traffic codes or potentially even seek legislation um, that would allow local jurisdictions to take on some aspects of enforcement and regulation. So then at the federal level, um, we're not even halfway through the federal transportation bill uh, that was approved a couple of years ago. So we won't be looking at reauthorization yet, instead focused on uh, making sure that appropriations happen at or above the levels that are approved, as well as um, seeking and securing kind of larger, longer term grant opportunities for major capital projects in the city, including the downtown rail extension. Um, so finally, uh, there's likely in 2023 going to be an effort to advance uh, regulatory and policy frameworks around autonomous vehicles. So we'll be advocating to make sure that local governments have a strong role to play in that process. So uh, without anything more, I'm happy to answer any questions on the state and federal legislative program. Thank you, uh, Ms. Crabb. Um, I do not see comments or questions, and so we will open this item to public comment. If there's anyone in the chamber who wants to come up and talk, please do. Otherwise, let's see if we have remote public comment. 
Checking for remote public comment on item eight. And there is no public comment. All right, public comment on item eight is closed. Is uh, there a motion to approve item eight? Moved by Dorse. Oh no, Dorse is not gonna do it. Moved by <laughs> Melgar, thank you. Um, and is there a second? Seconded by Engardio. <laughs> um, Mr. Clerk, uh, please call the roll. Uh, would you like to take it same house, same call? Oh, we can take it same house, same call. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, so we do that <laughs> without objection. Um, Mr. Clerk, please call item nine. Item nine, state and federal legislation update. This is an action item. And I think we have Mark Watts remotely. Thank you, uh, Mr. Chairman, and happy to be here. This last opportunity to address him virtually. Look forward to coming down next month and making sure that all goes well. Uh, I've got several items I want to present to you today. Uh, first, I'm going to set the context for where the legislature point time. Um, as you are probably aware, the um, oh my gosh. I've been receiving sales calls every hour on the hour, and I apologize. Um, so back to the context, um, this Friday is the uh, deadline for introducing bills for 2023, um, and we expect to see a pretty major uptick in the next several days. Uh, we have a little over somewhere between 700 and 800 bills introduced, and I expect it to jump up well over 1,000. Uh, we've been able to uh, monitor the introductions and provide staff with uh, lists of bills so we can build a matrix. And that leads to um, the second item I want to address to you, and that is the table uh, that begins on page 75. These are the first uh, bills that, we, that the staff wants to bring to your attention. Uh, I'll address two of them first, AB6 and AB7 by uh, the chair of the Assembly Transportation Committee, Laura Friedman, they pick up where she left off last year. Um, AB6 itself will um, require that regional entities putting together um, su uh, sustainable community strategies must coordinate and align the, um, uh, the planning effort inherent inside the sustainable community strategy with uh, greenhouse gas emission reduction targets and other climate goals. Uh, right now it's a spot bill, it just declares intent. Uh, and the other measure is a, a similar vein to legislation that was unsuccessful last year. And that would uh, state the intent to uh, eliminate single occupancy vehicle freeway capacity projects from programming in the future, um, allowing only BRT, rail, active transportation projects, or other projects that add to the safety of the roadway. That too is an intent bill. So bringing them two together, the chair has formed a stakeholder group. Um, and we had a first meeting. I'm a participant on the stakeholder group, along with Kiana Valentine, who's actually your uh, subcontractor through me when I need uh, additional help. And so you've got good coverage on the stakeholder group. Uh, we're expecting to receive from the authors, uh, from the chair staff, the uh, summary of the activities from their perspective 
and to the extent I can share that with uh, outside individuals, I'll make sure we get it to your staff. Uh, so that those bills will most likely be amended before the next um, uh, uh, commission meeting, authority board meeting. And so we will be looking at them very closely and give you as best analysis as we can at that point in time. Two other measures that are on uh, this table. One is by Mr. Ward, AB 251. Mr. Ward's proposal would take a look at the relationship between um, the weight, weight of passenger vehicles and the level of uh, injury to vulnerable road users, and also take a look at costs and benefits of imposing a potential weight fee for passenger vehicles. Um, and that responsibility would uh, be under the CTC. Uh, so we'll see how um, the CTC reacts to given this responsibility if the bill were to pass. Uh, and that's a watch position as well. Lastly, ACA 1, we've seen a similar bill and for the last several years. Uh, Assemblymember Aguirre Curry from uh, uh, Northern California has been sponsoring this measurement, this measure that would reduce the voter threshold from two-thirds to 55 percent uh, for city, county, or special districts for bond measures that fund infrastructure construction and rehabilitation. Uh, principal co-author is Senator Weiner from Muir Fair City, as well as Assemblymember Haney uh, as, is a co-author. Uh, staff is recommending a support. So there will be uh, a request for an action on these watch bills and the support measure at the conclusion of my presentation. Several other items uh, that we want to bring to your attention. Uh, first is uh, the state budget. I think uh, there's been a brief uh, uh, reference to the state budget uh, affecting potential uh, future TIRCP and ATP allocations. Um, overall, the budget reflects um, a modest uh, reduction as best as the Department of Finance and LAO Legislative Analyst Office can project. Uh, it's approximately from the finance side, 22 and a half billion from the legislative analyst office. They look at it about 45 billion, but that's over a three year span. Consequently, the uh, legislative leadership feels that they're going to be able to um, handle this if it stays in that order of magnitude um, by making some reductions in uh, future promised uh, allocations to transportation. Uh, and, a, and a slew of other modest uh, changes without actually uh, reducing the state um, safety net budgets or education budgets. So um, there's been no further news uh, on the numbers since the, uh, the uh, uh, release of the budget back in January, and we're waiting to see um, the actions by the budget subcommittees that will be forming, that are formed, but will be holding their hearings and dealing with the modest proposals within the budget as they head up towards the May revision where the full number uh, will be uh, adjusted again at that point in time when we have a better handle on how tech, tech are progressing. Uh, in addition, <clears throat> my goodness, sorry. Um, in addition, I wanted to mention a, a very strong effort being led largely statewide by MTC um, in, in conjunction with the uh, two transportation committees 
and has to deal with the short-term funding crisis for transit and try to put together a longer-term uh, transformation in state assistance for, for transit. Um, and, and the focus is trying to bring back transit ridership throughout the state. Um, the CTA, the California Transit Association, appears to be the, um, the, the, the third lead. So you have the two chairs. Uh-oh. Have we lost Mr. Watts? He's back. Can you hear me? We lost you for about 30 seconds. Thank you. Never happened to me before. So I'll bring that to a close. Uh, as I was indicating, the budget subcommittees are will be getting ready to form their initial hearings of the modest proposals within the, the their area of specialty. Uh, sub three is the assembly committee and sub five. Sub number five is the Senate committee, and they'll be putting together agendas uh, toward the middle and end of March. And with that, I'll bring my presentation. Well, there is one other item, a very important one. I apologize. Uh, back in 2021, the California Business Roundtable submitted language for an, an initiative. Uh, they got permission to circulate the signatures. They didn't meet the 2022 um, a, a ballot date, but they did receive uh, a valid number of signatures, as was borne out with further um, uh, further accounting of the signatures submitted. And they are now, as of February 1st, um, cleared to appear on the November 24 ballot. And that's a concern because the way it's written could have a backward-looking effect on on, on measures that have been passed since the measure was first introduced in 2021, and that would include Prop L and others. So it's of deep concern to uh, people who've been uh, uh, abiding by um, the current tax laws and having a measure appear in two more years that may have a backwards uh, uh, retroactive effect. Uh, the next steps, now that it's been cleared to appear on the ballot, the sponsor and other organizations that um, would like to see taxes uh, stifled to a degree will be putting together the the beginnings of a campaign to support it in 2024 as well already out of the uh, just out of the out of the um, announcement of the approval of the measure to move forward uh, several labor unions had put together uh, the start of the campaign uh, to oppose it. So we have a long way to go. Uh, I think we need to be sure and understand it more completely than we do at this point in time. And with that, I'll bring my presentation to a close. I will mention that there is no federal legislative report today. So Am Amber and I are available to answer questions about the state proposals. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Mr. Watts. Thank you, Ms. Crabb. I do not see any comments or questions from colleagues, so I will invite anyone in the chamber who wants to talk about item nine to come forward. And I don't see anybody, so let's see if we have remote public comment on item nine. Checking for remote public comment on item nine. Uh, the two minutes begins now. Eileen Boken, Coalition for San Francisco Neighborhoods, speaking on my own behalf. 
in strong opposition to the CTA's recommendation to support Assembly Constitutional Amendment 1 by Assembly Member Aguiar Curry. Point in case is the recent Prop L sales tax reauthorization campaign. The Yes on L campaign spent $1.5 million, some of it from out-of-state donors. The No on L campaign spent 2000 Even though the No on L campaign had compelling arguments, it couldn't compete with the massive amounts of cash spent by the Yes on L campaign. Until Citizens United is repealed and there is a more level playing field in campaign financing, the moneyed interest will continue to have an unfair and outsized advantage. Lowering the threshold from two-thirds to 55% will only further exacerbate the advantage of moneyed interest and their lobbyists. Thank you. Thank you, caller. There is no more public comment. Public comment on item nine is closed. Is there a motion to approve item nine and support Assembly Constitutional Amendment one moved by Vice Chair Melgar? Is there a second? Seconded by Stephanie. Um, and I think we can take that same house, same call without objection. Mr. Clerk, please call item 10. Item 10, Visitation Valley Community-Based Transportation Plan Update. This is an information item. Chris Kidd. Uh, good morning, directors and members of the public. My name is Christopher Kidd. I'm a planner in the Complete Streets section of our planning subdivision at SFMTA. I am also the project manager for the Viz Valley uh, and Portola Community-Based Transportation Plan. Um, just to give a brief overview of what a community-based transportation plan is, it's really our agency's attempts to create a set of transportation projects directly reflecting the, uh, the values and the needs and challenges of a given community. Uh, for this particular project, we are inclusive of four different neighborhoods, uh, the Portola, Viz Valley, Sunnydale, and Little Hollywood neighborhoods. Our final plan will be published likely by the end of this week, uh, and the, the highlights of that is it includes uh, about $25 million in identified potential projects, a streetscape design for Mansell Street, and a series of policy recommendations for the non-infrastructure needs and challenges that people have around transportation that we want to make sure that we're documenting. Um, for uh, just a quick uh, explanation around this, for our project collaborators, this is a project funded through a Caltrans Sustainable Planning Grant with local match provided by the SFCTA through Prop K. Uh, it included a broad coalition of both agency partners as well as community-based partners, including work with the offices of both Director Ronan and uh, Director Walton. Uh, in terms of our outreach within the community, uh, we had an outreach process that spanned over a full calendar year um, and included three different phase, distinct phases of public outreach uh, with two contracted community-based partners, the River of Life Church in Viz Valley, as well as Family Connection Centers up in the Portola. Uh, all of our project materials for this project were translated into five different languages as our focus really was on reaching uh, the broad diversity of these two communities, especially uh, reaching uh, 
people of low income and people who don't speak English as a first language. Uh, throughout this process, which of course very hampered by, by uh, COVID and having to deal with COVID restrictions, we still were able to reach over 2,600 residents. And through our survey demographics, we understood that more than three quarters of the people we engaged with, people of color, more than 60% of the people earned less than $75,000 a year. And uh, more than 20% of our surveys were filled out in a language other than English. Uh, to briefly go over what we learned and what we did during these outreach phases, our, during our first phase, we tried to understand the priorities and needs of the community as well as the places we needed to put our focus on. Uh, through that, we learned that the community really prioritized pedestrian safety and access as well as safety on transit. Um, for the, the map on this slide shows the different uh, streets and intersections that residents self-prioritized for us to focus our work on uh, for future phases. Uh, in our next phase, which happened over the summer of 2022, we brought back a series of projects that we uh, felt directly responded to those priorities and locations that people had told us about in phase one and asked them to vote on those about which ones they liked, which ones they didn't, where we needed to remove or add new projects. Uh, the upshot of all of that outreach work was that for the projects that we did propose, we did receive majority support from residents uh, for all of them. In various phases, flavors of support. Um, during our final phase of outreach, which started this past November going through January, we released our draft plan to the public, brought it to the community, and as part of that outreach work also provided a survey where residents could directly rank their prioritization of our final list of projects. Uh, and our agencies committed ourselves to implementing the projects uh, ranked by the community in the order that they rank them. Uh, for the final projects in, in our final plan, which we're hoping to publish later this week, um, we have a series of projects in the Portola and Viz Valley. We kind of broke it up geographically to be a little more digestible. In the Portola, the focus really was on improving access uh, and safety to the Alamanni Farmer's Market and really connecting the San Bruno Corridor up to Alamanni Farmer's Market. Uh, but in addition to that, a lot of desire and emphasis on increased lighting and safety, um, especially for some of the freeway undercrossings uh, near the San Bruno Corridor, as well as some additional traffic calming and access to McLaren, access improvements to McLaren Park to the west. In Viz Valley, um, the ranked projects that we saw come to the top uh, were safety improvements on San Bruno Avenue, especially that lower section right down near Bayshore Boulevard with uh, some improvements to connect the bike network and along that section. Uh, also the Mansell streetscape, which we'll show a concept design of later this presentation, uh, to connecting the Viz Valley Greenway, which is a wonderful kind of mid-block uh, greenway that goes up about six, seven blocks up into the hillside, but currently there's no dedicated crossings to connect all of these pieces of the greenway. So we wanna find ways to connect them uh, together into a, a one single linear park, uh, as well as some improvements for transit access and safety around the Sunnydale development as that site redevelops. Um, we developed a specific concept for Mansell Street. We'd identified this street as very competitive for future grant funding opportunities, and so we wanted to develop a concept in a little bit more detail than we would for the other projects in this, in this plan. Um, we uh, really understood and worked with the community to understand they want to activate this median specifically, but they also want it to be done in a way where people can access it safely and have opportunities for walking, programming, public art, um, and so we came up with a few different concepts. This shows one of them, which would include a new uh, pathway that would be for both bicycles and pedestrians alongside the median, which would have the benefit of calming traffic on this street, 
improving pedestrian crossing uh, opportunities, as well as some opportunities to improve transit access for the 29 Sunset and 56 Rutland. Um, what we've heard so far from the community around this concept is we need to continue to keep our emphasis on safety for this corridor. Um, people really want to make sure that this is a median space that people can feel safe in using and safely access um, for it to be a successful space. Um, we plan to continue this process beyond the plan itself to continue engaging with this community around what is a successful design and how can we line up a grant application into the future that can be successful. Um, lastly, this plan also includes a series of policy recommendations, which are spelled out in, in, in much more detail within the draft plan document on our website, but really trying to memorialize the, the needs and values of this community beyond just what we can build on the street. Uh, and that includes things like keeping focus on transit safety uh, and access for this community, I think tr both transit on safety, or safety on transit, and also safety when waiting for transit. Um, improving our multilingual access to the variety of SFMTA services that we provide, as well as continuing our partnerships within the community with community-based organizations. Um, our next steps are to bring this plan to the SFMTA Board of Directors uh, next month for adoption. Uh, following that, and with, hopefully with that adoption in hand, uh, we'll be able to move forward on some of our traffic calming projects we've identified within the community, as well as some projects uh, to implement uh, using uh, NTIP funds from uh, Director Walton's office that we're currently working with them on allocating. Uh, Following that, we hope to move into grant applications in 2024 to help fund some of the more robust projects, such as the Mansell Streetscape, as well as further implementation of uh, our plan recommendations. Uh, our project website is listed here, as well as our project email. Um, the draft plan itself is available on the project website, and the final plan to be available later this week. Thank you very much. Thank you. Commissioner Ronan. Thank you. I just wanted to say how excited we are about this project and to really thank you for the way you went about it and truly involving the community, letting them prioritize which project uh, is most important. And um, all of these uh, improvements are, are desperately needed in the Port of West. So thank you so much. Thank you. Um, Commissioner Walt. Ditto what Commissioner Ronan said. Right. Let's open this item to public comment if you are in the chamber and would like to talk about the Visitation Valley Community-Based Transportation Plan update. Please come forward. And I don't see anybody, so let's see if we have any remote public comment on item 10. Looking for remote public comment on item 10. And there is no public comment. All right. Public comment on item 10 is closed. Um, thank you, uh, Planner Kid. Thank you. And uh, Mr. Clerk, please call item 11. Item 11, internal accounting report, investment report, and debt expenditure report for the six months ending December 31st, 2022. This is an information item. Deputy Director for Finance and Administration, Cynthia Fong. Do we have Thank you, you? for the introduction, Chair. Um, yep. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Great. Wonderful. Good morning, everyone. Cynthia Fong, Deputy Director for Finance and Administration. This is our second quarter update as of December 31st, 2022. Total assets amounted to 170 million um, for this quarter and 287 million for liabilities. Uh, as you may remember, the 287 million includes 224 million of outstanding um, balances from our 2017 sales tax revenue bond. Uh, 
We have also earned 67.6 million in revenues. Um, sales tax is our main source of revenue and it is slightly above our mid-year target right now. Expenditures total to 49.9 million and are below the anticipated budget, but this is really mainly due to second quarter billing from our sponsors that have not yet, yet been fully received. Now, in terms of compliance, we have 47% of our cash sitting in the city's treasurer's pool, and this is in compliance with the California government code and our investment policies. We also do not have any outstanding loans at this point from our revolving credit agreement with U.S. Bank, but we anticipate it in the budget um, for this coming fiscal year. With that, I'm happy to take any questions regarding our second quarter numbers for our TA financials. Thank you. Thank you, Director Fong. Um, thank you for all your work. And I do not see any comments or questions, so let's open item 11 to public comment. If there's anyone in the chamber who'd like to speak on item 11, come forward. And I don't see anyone, so let's see if we have any remote public comment on item 11. Checking for remote public comment on item 11. And there is no public comment. All right, public comment on item 11 is closed. Thank you again, Cynthia Fong. Mr. Clerk, please call item 12. Item 12, introduction of new items. This is an information item. Um, does not look like we have any. So, Mr. Clerk, please call item 13. Item 13, public comment. Right, this is our general public comment. If there are uh, members of the public in the chamber who'd like to come talk to us, you can do so now. And if not, let's see if we have any callers. Checking for remote public comment on item 13. And there is no public comment. Public comment on item 13 is closed. Mr. Clerk, can you please call item 14? Item 14, adjournment. We are adjourned. <laughs>